Those live. Uh, my name is Thompson Nakdu from the TTU Hookup. Uh, we are being joined today by uh, by uh, by Kamuhelo Tele, uh, an activist in the disability sector. Um, and I'm I'm sure he's, uh, he's he's many things to to many people, uh, but today we we are going to be focused on a on the sector yeah, yeah, disability. Uh, good good day. I think it's good day today. It's not it's no longer morning. Come here. How are you, sir? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, how are you, Daddy? I'm very well, thanks, man. You, you can call me TT. Ne? My name is Tamsa Nado. Uh, well, thank you, TT. Uh, good day, good day, good day to you and uh, and and the listeners at home. Yeah, it's, it's it's a rainy day where we are, uh, and you know I don't know if 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 we have been blessed or we've been cursed, but it's a it's it's a very cold rainy day in uh, in our part of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Quickly, no, I think let's 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 get into it uh, uh, directly, so that we don't waste a lot of time. Uh, can you tell us about your personal journey and how you became involved in activism in, in activism in the you know disability sector? Okay, um, once more, uh, thank you very much uh, for this opportunity. Uh, I am always to engage you and the and the listeners. Uh, well, Kamelo, what you say? Was born and raised in Botswana in the fifties. And uh, he attended uh, primary and secondary education at Tarbanga as a special school uh, for the for the deaf and blind uh, Tabantu. Uh, that way, I I, I actually uh, began my, my journey of, of, of being an activist. Uh, obviously, it was a school for the deaf and all the kids that were blind. We met there in that that school of different uh, people with different uh, types of uh, learning disabilities. And I spent uh, 10 years uh, in that school until I matriculated uh, in uh, that, that, that That's how I became an activist. I became an activist because of a number of uh, challenges that I picked up uh, in, my, in my teenage years. Uh, uh, if you look at the uh, family background of, uh, of the majority of the learners that come from uh, 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 childhood families, or you can say learners with uh, disabilities, uh, their, their, their family or their family background. Uh, how painful it was on the basis of the of their of their disability, how marginalized they were, and uh, the social challenges that we came across. And I think we met that type of an of a of a, of a, of a setting or a setup as as dear brothers and sisters. Uh, we shared the love and we began to appreciate one another. So I think that uh, this thing of a disability activism kicked in. And uh, obviously uh, in my first years. Uh, that's when I, I, I started to advance to a much more high level. Uh, what specific issues within the disability sector are you are you are you are you most concerned about, or are you are you more passionate about addressing? Uh, there are so many issues. Uh, you can speak about inclusive uh, education. I mean, uh, the special schools in South Africa. I won't be able to uh, to divulge much. Because uh, I'm I'm going to the interview for a position of the commissioner, but I'll give you a few 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 pointers that uh, I think will, will be uh, quite interesting uh, to the to the listeners. Uh, access to uh, to to um to, to, to education in terms of section twenty nine, subsection one of the constitution. 
still a fundamental uh, challenge for learners, especially teachers and employees, learners with disabilities. Because post-1994, uh, the government of the day uh, excluded more than 500,000 learners with disabilities and uh, left them outside of, the, of, of, our, of our education system. Number two, the second issue that I'm passionate about, uh, the issue of employment, or we can say uh, access to, to the economy for persons with disabilities. I believe in, uh, in, in this uh, key critical uh, topic uh, precisely because I believe that um, one, for people with disabilities to be respected in the society, they must get the, the best education. Two, uh, in, in addition, they must uh, have uh, access to the job market or participate in the economy of this, of this country. Because when they are employed or when they are educated, chances of them being marginalized, chances of them being discriminated against because of the, of, of the color of their skin are slim. Uh, the best way to integrate them into, into the society is to make sure that they get the best education so that they become self-reliant, so that they, they, they become independent and define uh, their own uh, destiny. So, so the issue of education, uh, access to, to, the, to the economic uh, participation are two critical issues that I find uh, very uh, interesting in my area of specialization in the sector. Yes, um, you know, you know, you're you're speaking about uh, integration, which I think is very important. But now tell me, like, the, you know, the, the the our approach with regards to special schools for people with disabilities, like particular disabilities, do you not think that maybe poses also a risk for integration at the later stage, like you know, a, a post education phase of the of the of the learner or the student? Uh, into the workplace, like now they, they are used to being with learners of, you know, of a special type of a disability or a general ability. When when they go into into the into the workplace, they they, they now find themselves having to interact with everybody. Isn't that a problem, though? Uh, no, it's not a problem. When we, when we speak about a learner with uh, autism, for instance, uh, a learner with uh, Down syndrome, mm. that learner cannot be in the same uh, classroom environment with, uh, with uh, a learner without a disability because of the severe learning disabilities. Their disabilities are so severe such that it warrants a proper teacher education. It warrants conducive learning uh, environment for them to be able to cope uh, with the speed for them to be able to cope with the size of the classroom so that their needs or their individual uh, uh, special educational needs can be uh, addressed uh, uh, within that uh, setting. But when we take a learner with severe learning disabilities in the ordinary school in the country, chances of that learner being marginalized are much more higher, especially if they are disabilities severe. But in terms of the mild uh, disabilities like albinism, uh, I, I believe that a uh, majority of us can cope in the, uh, can cope well uh, uh, outside of the special schools. Is that the, the problem in South Africa that, that we have now? Uh, I remember this is one of the topics that I, uh, my honors degree is a in university education. I wrote about, uh, I wrote about teacher um, education actually. Uh, one of the arguments that came there was that teachers uh, in the ordinary mainstream schools have an attitude towards, or you can say they have a stigma towards 
disabilities. They are not prepared to uh, teach those kind of uh, learners. Number two, the challenge that we have is that in every school we have what we call the SBFT, the school-based support team. The SBFT in the ordinary mainstream uh, schools are dysfunctional. The, the SBFT were much more functional. Learners with disabilities who are going to uh, in those kind of environments. Because the role of the SBFT is to ensure that all learners, irrespective of their uh, social status or uh, any economic uh, challenges that they may face, uh, let us create a learning environment where all of, all of these learners will be equal, will be equal irrespective of their of their culture and, and, and where they will come from. The problem in South Africa that we have is that the SBFT are, are dysfunctional and the teachers are not uh, ready uh, to teach uh, learners with disabilities. And again, the admission criteria in the uh, in the in the public schools, the ordinary public schools that, that we are talking about, principals find it difficult to admit uh, learners with uh, disabilities. There's also that stigma, or you can say that perception. No, uh, you can't take you go to a special school. Here in this school, you can't take you go to a special school. That's where you need to be catered without examining uh, the without examining the possibilities of the thing. But yes, this learner has got disabilities, but he can go here only if he can create a conducive environment for this learner. But uh, they are reluctant to take that route because they don't want to do their job. That, that's why that's the crisis that we have this, uh, uh, in Even at the district level, we have what we call the PTSD. The role of the district is to ensure that all the schools within the geographical jurisdiction, you can talk about the special school or any ordinary school. The SBSTs of, of those schools are functional. We still have a crisis there. Of people that are uh, uh, employed in the inclusive education at the district level, are comrades that uh, are, are comrades of staff, majority of which are not best, uh, are, are not uh, well knowledgeable or expert, expert or let a certain expertise or skills uh, in, in, in respect to uh, disability and disability. So for now, let them go to, to the special schools, uh, let them uh, grow up there until we fix uh, the teaching school in All right, um, ma'am, congratulations on being shortlisted uh, as a candidate for the South African Human Rights Commission. Uh, and I think maybe earlier in our, in our earlier question, you've answered the question that I, would, I, would, I wanted to ask about if you were appointed, what, what are the things that would make a priority uh, as a commissioner of the Human Rights Commission, especially for the, for no, the disability not, sector? Uh, <laughs> no, it's not uh, It's not a question of if I would be appointed. I will be appointed. Uh, I can tell you now that I, I'm a commissioner. In the <laughs> I, I can rest assure you now. I can rest, I, I mean, like, uh, without any shadow of doubt, I can tell you that now, now that by January 2024, I'll be a commissioner of the South African Human Rights Commission. In actual fact, there's a high possibility that I'm, I might become the chief of that uh, commission. Uh, look, uh, there are critical issues. The starting point is the constitution. Uh, you look at uh, section six, subsection one of the constitution uh, that gave us, look, um, when, when our leaders drafted the constitution in the early 90s, in the constitutional assembly, they drafted a constitution which gave us 11 official languages. That is, that is the section six that I'm talking about, subsection one. Uh, to the exclusive reserve of the South African Sign Language. Uh, deaf community, or you can say the Sign Language speaking community, were marginalized 
for a period like for, for a period of 29 minutes without being given their language. And, and the failure to to for them to have their own language of origin uh, actually uh, contributed in in the exclusion of deaf community in the mainstream economy, to the exclusion of deaf community in the education system, and to the overall exclusion of deaf uh, community in the society uh, on the basis of uh, language. And uh, but overall, it has also left a deaf community in, in a state of squalor and neglect until the recent 18th constitutional amendment did that social language become the total official language. But the damage has been done, my brother. So what are we going to ensure as the commission that we do to ensure that those that were marginalized or those that were excluded in the economy uh, because of the language, what, can, what, what is it that can be done to ensure that they are reintegrated, not only into the society, but also into the command behind of the economy? What I will do as a commissioner is I will ensure that the disability policies are being implemented. Therefore, the key focus area will be the public sector. I will look at the three arms of the state. The first proposal that I'm going to make is that the South African Human Rights Commission, as a commissioner focusing on disability, is that we must adopt the district development model in, in our annual performance plan to ensure that when you look at our approach in terms of the district, because you have to remember that when, when we speak about the district, the geographical jurisdiction of the district, in a district we have a special school, in a district we have a hospital or a clinic, in a district we have a civil college where we have students with disabilities, in a district we have a traditional university where there, there is also a, 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 a unit for students with disabilities. There's a civil college that has got students with disabilities. Uh, what are we going to do to ensure that as the South African Human Rights Commission, we take our institution to the the type of a commissioner of a commissioner that I will be, I will be an activist commissioner to ensure that those that are in, in the 52 districts in the country, they can feel the South African Human Rights Commission, they can touch it, they can connect to it, they can know that the, the chapter nine institution exists and seeks to serve uh, their their interests. What is important here, rather, is section 184 of the constitution to promote the rights of persons with disabilities, uh, to ensure that uh, all the pieces of legislation, starting from the United Nations, coming to the uh, coming to the African Protocol of Disability Rights, to the Constitution of the Republic, which is supreme, uh, chapter uh, section nine equality clause, section ten dignity clause, and other legislation provisions. You look at uh, this issue of inclusive education that I'm also going to champion. It falls within uh, section 29, subsection 1 uh, of the Constitution. Also, the issue of the killings of persons with albinism, it falls within uh, the, the section 9 uh, uh, and under the equality clause and the dignity clause. And I think case law is there. The, if we, I think every uh, law student knows about the Maguanyani case, which speaks about a right to life. When you kill a person because of their skin color, when you mutilate their body parts for traditional or ritual purposes, you are reaching section nine quality clause. But what is the position of the South African Human Rights Commission? We must make our, our position clear and take the chapter nine institution to our people so that our people gain the necessary confidence and knowledge that chapter nine institutions are there to serve them. The second aspect which mm -hmm. I also spoke about, uh, because the, 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 my approach is much more broader. Uh, I'm also looking at the provinces, the role of the premiers in ensuring that 
they do what we call the disability empowerment quota. The premier and the, and, and the executive uh, council in all nine provinces must ensure that they do a disability empowerment quota to monitor the implementation of white paper on the right of people with disabilities. The cabinet adopted that policy document in 2015, which has got a 15-year frame. If you analyze that policy document, my brother, it says it has got nine strategic pillars. But if you pay attention to pillar number five, it speaks about 7% disability representation. It means the state has got an obligation to ensure that they empower 7% persons with disability each and every department. The premier is the executive authority in terms of the constitution. The, the, the director general is the accounting officer. So the, the MEC obviously are in charge of their respective department. We have to, to go and, uh, to, to this province or to this province and engage in what we call the disability empowerment quota and to monitor the implementation of the legislation and the policy that speaks to the right of persons with disability. The final aspect is a uh, parliament. Uh, the role of uh, the role of uh, uh, the role of parliament as a lawmaking body. Uh, my 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 ultimate goal as the commissioner will be to ensure that uh, we enact uh, the disability. I'm going to lobby uh, the portfolio committee of, of justice in parliament that we we must have a disability act in South Africa, the act that promotes the rights of persons with disabilities. Remember, this issue of sign language becoming the first official language. Uh, we started in, in 2016, and we only got it as the 12th official language. The bill was passed seven years later because they had to do this kind of those things of a uh, feasibility study and uh, uh, trying to see if the bill can uh, can work. And uh, all the uh, political parties in that are represented in parliament agreed with that uh, proposal. I am going to use the very same approach. To ensure that by 2032, when I commit my, when I finish my term as the commissioner responsible for disability, I am going to lobby for the enactment of the disability act in South Africa. That is going to protect the rights of persons with disability. Finally, access to justice from uh, from uh, from um, lower court, the, the, the magistrate court, to the constitutional court. We want the court that has sign language interpreters. We want the court, the, the court that promotes uh, universal access. We also want to make sure that there is justice on the killings of people with albinism. And also the police stations must have silent with interpreters. The police stations must be inclusive. The police stations must be accessible. And all organs of the state must ensure that they hire the LLB graduates with disability or even the graduates with disability give them opportunity in the justice uh, cluster. So those are the things that I'm going to do. The final aspect which I'm going to focus on as the commissioner is the private sector. We have white paper on the right of persons with disability. That speaks about this 7%. Uh, what is the role of the mining sector in ensuring that they give us 7% disability representation? What is the role of the transport and aviation industry in ensuring that they give us 7% disability representation? What is the role of, uh, of the banking uh, sector in ensuring that uh, they give us 7% disability representation. What is the role of agricultural and food security sector and retail in promoting 7% uh, disability representation? My brother, the private sector does not operate in the sea. The private sector does not operate in the islands. The private sector is bound and subject to the constitution. The constitution of the Republic is supreme and all the laws of the land. So the private sector must not operate in isolation. They must abide 
by these pieces of legislation and implement them. So that's what I'm going to do as a commissioner in Oiki, to say, let us make sure that we create jobs for people with disability. There is a representation in the senior managerial positions in the lines, in the board, and also uh, in, the, in, the, in the junior position, depending on the skills and the expertise that are needed at that particular moment. So my right. time, the time is now, uh, our people are going, the lives of, of people with disabilities are going to change. No, no, that's 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 great, and we 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 wish you all the best in 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 terms of uh, achieving those goals uh, for the society generally. Uh, now, in, in in conclusion, I'm going to ask you like two questions. Uh, in one, the first being, how can organizations, uh, non-profit organizations, and civil society collaborate with government to create a more inclusive environment for people with disabilities? One, and second. In what ways can individuals in society contribute to improving the lives of people with disabilities and promoting their rights? As you conclude. Uh, well, uh, in conclusion, I can say that uh, the role of uh, non-governmental organizations, central Nagara, is to hold the executive accountable. The, 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 the role of a non-governmental organization is not only to, to hold the executive accountable, but to work in collaboration in stakeholder engagement with both government and the private sector and the society in general to ensure that the programs, the challenges, the realities and the aspirations that face persons with disabilities are realized. Because uh, private sector, again, the, the, the NPOs, they are kind of independent and do not account to anyone except their own constituencies. So they have to make sure that they hold the executive accountability and even they must not uh, think this one of disability, the NPO of disability. They should not operate in isolation. They must work with the communities where they live, in their wards, in their uh, uh, in the township, etc., to make sure that the programs uh, of people with disabilities are supported throughout uh, our communities where we come from. And you see, this one it, it connects very well with my DPM, DPM approach, the district development model. Because also we've been at the, at the district, we have uh, the, the CPF uh, councillors, there is a police forum, there is a clinic uh, councillor, those kind of uh, uh, committees that can assist in, in ensuring that uh, 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 we address those uh, challenges. Finally, say for instance, uh, there is a, uh, um, you look at the, the killings of people with abuse in Guadalajara, northern part of Guadalajara. If you use the district development uh, model approach, you are more likely to get the stakeholders, many, many other stakeholders on board while we are addressing one problem. Unlike going to municipality, going to school, you go to a district and all the stakeholders come all, all at once. It saves the resources of the NPO or even the chapter nine institutions itself because all the stakeholders, they come together all uh, at once. So that's what, that's what we need to do. You need uh, strategies, you need thinkers, you need people who are going to come up with solutions to ensure that uh, not only the NPOs must buy it, but also the Chapter 9 institutions must buy it and realize its inherent founding constitutional objective in terms of Section 184 of the Constitution of the Republic. To hold the executive accountable, to work in collaboration with, with all the stakeholders, be it government and the private sector, to, towards the attainment of transformation, towards the attainment of social justice uh, for all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, and uh, I wanted I wanted to say uh, good luck <laughs> with, with with your 
with, with your interview and your and your you know that you know in, in, in being appointed but for you it is a foregone conclusion that you're going to be appointed as a commissioner of this <laughs> commission uh, yeah, congratulations and in advance and good luck in the meantime yeah no me <laughs> But also at the same time, we have more people to So that the ultimate end, so now communication what is important is the founding values and the object of the constitution of the republic, which is supreme. Thank you very much. That was Kamuhero uh, Tele, a disability activist. Um, we have heard a lot from him, and uh, yeah, all the best to him. Uh, we are done for this part of the uh, current hookup, the the third the third part of the ninth episode. We will see you in the next one. In